It's the podcast series that helps you stay up to date with the latest tax developments. The Tax Factor from Blick Rothenberg with Heather Sell and Nimesh Shah. Welcome to The Tax Factor. This is a new podcast series from Blick Rothenberg. Each week, members of our team are going to be looking at the news and updates in the world of tax and providing our analysis of what it might mean for you or your business. We'll look at topical issues and we'll also discuss some longer term issues and challenges, such as perhaps the high income child benefit charge, taxation of non-DOMs, inheritance tax, even HMRC itself. Joining me for this first episode is Nimesh Shah, the Chief Exec of Blick Rothenberg. Today, we're going to talk about a range of topics. Let's start off with Legislation Day, which happened a couple of weeks ago. That's when all the details that were announced in the budget back in March are actually put out into draft legislation for enactment by Parliament. Nimesh, I think there were one or two points in that that caught your eye. Yeah, uh, well, look, yeah, taking me back a year or so and all those chancellors and all those budgets. And uh, it does feel like quite a long time ago that Jeremy Hunt stood up and said, I'm abolishing the lifetime allowance in that sort of quasi-quartang moment. Legislation days followed some months later, which is essentially the publication of the finance bill uh, in relation to that budget from March. And I think the interesting thing that I picked out, Heather, on Legislation Day was this change on pensions, because that was the big move from Jeremy Hunt in the March budget, abolishing the lifetime allowance. But what we've seen in Legislation Day is a little sneaky backdoor tax change. And we're trying to clarify this with uh, Treasury and HMRC. But essentially, at the moment, if uh, someone passes away before the age of 75, and their beneficiaries inherit their pension pot, they can access that pension free of inheritance tax and free of income tax as well. But Legislation Day is telling us something slightly different. Legislation Day is saying that uh, that pension pot will now be taxable when the beneficiary actually withdraws from that pension at their marginal rate of income tax. So it's aligning the position as if someone who was aged over 75 uh, had inherited their pension as well. And I say, I think we need to merge in clarification from HMRC yeah. around change. So this is just a consultation at the moment, I think, isn't it? And it is it is an anomaly, isn't it? This is only personal pension pots. It's not if you've got a civil service pension or any other defined benefit pension. And it's also not if you've already bought an annuity with your pension pot. It's if you've got money sitting there that you haven't drawn down yet, when you die, it can go to your beneficiaries. But at the moment, there's this odd quirk that it's completely tax-free if you're under 75. Uh, Speaking as somebody who's under 75, but hoping not to die just yet, but having more or less retired quite recently, I'm certainly watching this one very closely. What what else was in there that you noticed? Was there, there was a little bit on high income child benefit charge, wasn't it? This is such a nonsense of a charge, isn't it? Heather, I remember you ten years ago being on the BBC uh, when the high income child benefit charge was introduced uh, over ten years ago, uh, and you calling out to be a nonsense back then. And nothing has really moved on. But Legislation Day has suggested that HMRC are finally going to collect this charge through PAYE. Why the change right now? You've been talking about this for over a decade. So first just to step back and why this high income child benefit charge is so complicated is that it applies where you've got a couple either married or civil partnership or whatever where one person is claiming child benefit quite often the mother and the other person quite often the father is in a job which pays more than £50,000. In that case, a tax charge claws back part of the child benefit. But you have to know the income of both people in the couple. And that goes completely against independent taxation, which we've had since about 1990. 
And therefore, a lot of people don't realise they could be affected by it and end up getting assessments covering several years, which is naturally upsetting. I think all that's changing on Legislation Day is the collection of that charge through pay-as-you-earn, but only after it's been established that the charge applies. And I think the difficulty most people have, they just don't realise this could be relevant to them. So the message here is if you or your partner earns more than £50,000 and you've got children, you really need to be aware of this. I do think it's perhaps something that employers could do a bit to alert their employees to as well, perhaps just publicising it in the workplace. Uh, it, it does come as a really nasty shock to a lot of people. Yeah, I think that's right, Heather, that my issue with the child benefit charge, I mean, I've got lots of issues with it, but the PR around it is is awful as a relatively new father myself. Uh, and I'm someone clearly in the know on all things taxation, but I had nothing really from HMRC or anything from the hospitals or the midwives around claiming child benefit, what it might mean if I do earn over £50,000. So many people have been caught out over this. I mean, I'd go as far to say as, uh, and I have been campaigning on this for a long time now, that I think the child benefit charge needs to go. It's one of the most hated taxes that we have in our system as well, in this uh, ridiculous outcome that if you have, I think it's seven children, you have an effective rate of uh, income tax of over 100%. Uh, in that 50 to 60,000 pounds. I think you've got other issues as well if you've got seven children as well. But um, I think that illustrates the ridiculousness of this uh, uh, of this charge. And I think that the gov- government needs to have uh, to look at urgently reforming it. And at the very least, I think it needs to be tested on a household income basis, albeit I'm not necessarily advocating for removing independent taxation just yet. We could have a whole podcast on that topic. I wouldn't mind go- going back to a family unit. Then my husband would have to do my tax returns again. Moving swiftly on, the HMRC's annual report came out quite recently as well, didn't it? Was there something you wanted to pick up in that, Nimesh? I suppose it's the frustration again with HMRC. I mean, HMRC have had a bad rep over the last few years. I think it's worth taking a step back that HMRC did an amazing job during the pandemic and how they pivoted around administering the furlough scheme, the VAT deferral. Uh, I think the, the, the pressure that was put on HMRC back then and how they reacted was commendable. I think we've forgotten about that. But here we are right now, 2023, there's budget cuts of thoughts for HMRC in the latest annual report. And they've reacted by saying that we want to try and push more people digitally. We want to cut the number of phone uh, phone administrators that we've got by around 30% as well. And I think, Heather, you'll be aware, and I certainly am aware, that HMRC have shut down their phone lines pretty much over the entire summer. That's not to go on summer holiday. That is because they're trying to deal with a backlog of, uh, of posts and issues, which go back well over a year. And so they've put the resource into dealing with that. But I think it's a sign that HMRC really trying to push people down that digital agenda. But Again, I think I remember when I first started practicing over 20 years ago as well, you got to pick the phone up to a competent advisor at the other end and you had a really interesting and sensible technical discussion. I do worry about the general public being able to access the right support within HMRC now. And of course, not everybody can manage to do things digitally anyway. To finish off, Nimesh, I thought we might just look at a few stories that have caught our eye in the press over the last week or so. I think the the one that we both have seen was Rishi Sunak going down the pub to have a pint and uh, proclaiming (laughs) how the Conservatives have uh, kept the price of a pint down for the, the working man. I'm not sure how true that is. Uh, this this relates to um, the changes in alcohol duties. Uh, 
I'm not the expert in this, like my colleague Simon Sutcliffe is, and thankfully he's given me a few tips. This is a real simplification with duty now being charged by reference to the amount of alcohol in each drink and also a slight relaxation of the rules for, for pubs as compared to supermarkets. Mm. So I think it's modest good news for pubs. The people who are complaining, of course, are the Scotch whiskey distillers who say, well, the price of a bottle of whiskey has gone up significantly. It's interesting. I think whenever you try to simplify the tax system, the people who lose out shout loudest. Yeah. And I don't think we're ever going to get away from that. Tax has always been very emotive, especially tax on a pint of beer or a glass of wine as well. Uh, thankfully, I'm a I'm a big real ale fan and a beer drinker, so I will be one of those ones that benefits from the from the change in alcohol duty. Uh, and also, I'm a big advocate of, of the local pub as well. So I'm certainly in the camp of the winners here. Um, <laughs> but uh, what I noticed, Heather, and I don't know if you picked up on this number as well, this change apparently will raise 13 billion for the Treasury. I thought that was a staggering number. I'm not sure how... Uh, how that can be the case is clearly a lot more wine drinkers out there and Scotch whiskey drinkers than beer drinkers. That does surprise me. Uh, that That's quite a significant number in budget arithmetic. I presume that's over a five-year period. But even so, or perhaps we're all just going to be driven to drink by the uh, despair at the current situation in the country. <laughs> a couple of other things. I think you mentioned there'd been a, a VAT case about uh, air miles, Avil. Yeah, I suppose, look, the holiday season, um, everyone's thinking about getting on their holidays right now. And uh, yeah, interesting sort of little that case that came out earlier this week, Heather, about um, um, loyalty points, uh, Avios points, which you can get on your uh, uh, on your credit card uh, or through American Express. So uh, a little fun case, I suppose, about the VAT treatment of these loyalty schemes and whether when you redeem those points, uh, are there, uh, is there that applied to, uh, to the goods the goods and services that you um, that you generate from those from those points as well. So uh, certainly something HMRC have been looking at closely. Uh, I, I think you'll be aware of more of these VAT cases around loyalty schemes and um, uh, points uh, than, than I will be. But uh, I thought that was an interesting one, especially very topical during holiday season. Yes, it's worth saying that one bit of good news on, on air miles is that the revenue have confirmed that for um, income tax purposes, it's not a benefiting kind for pay as you earn, provided you've just got them in the normal way. Uh, if you've earned your avios through travelling on business, you can spend them without having to worry about an income tax charge. And, and finally, there was just one other VAT issue, which I, I spotted this morning. Uber have published their annual accounts, and in it, they've put they've referred to a dispute with HMRC over VAT on their activities. Uber always claim that all they're doing is just providing a drive. They're acting as a facilitator for taxi bookings. But in fact, more and more HMRC are looking at them as an overall enterprise. Uber paid them apparently £615 million to settle their VAT up to 2022. They've then changed their structure in some way, but HMRC is still not happy and they'd like another £386 million. So if you are going on holiday and, and spending your avios, <laughs> your taxi to the airport might cost a bit more too. <laughs> I think that's it from me for this week. Nimesh, have you got anything else? No, I think we've covered quite a lot there in a short space of time. Um, some really interesting stories there, not least uh, uh, Legislation Day, which I don't think got as much uh, attention as it should have done. But there's some really, say, quite nuanced points that I think are worth drawing out. But no, great to chat, Heather. Thanks very much, Nimesh. That was our first edition of The Tax Factor. Uh, this will be available on all the major podcast sites. So please do subscribe and join us again next time. I'm Heather Self. Goodbye. That's all for this episode of The Tax 
Factor. If you enjoyed this podcast, why not try Brave Business, our podcast series for entrepreneurs. Find it wherever you get the Tax Factor or on the Blick Rothenberg website. Join us again next time on The Tax Factor.